This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Plant School Podcast. I'm Rachel, and here we learn about plants, how to care for them, how they work, and I keep it simple and taught in a way that anyone from beginner to expert can enjoy. Join me in Plant School. Hello, hello. Welcome to another week of Plant School. Today, we are going to be talking about croatans and going through a care guide on them. And before I do, I do want to give a reminder that next episode, so next week, I'm going to be announcing the giveaway winner. So you probably have until mm, Wednesday to be entering this coming Wednesday, which I believe is, let's look at my calendar, August 24th to enter. You have until August 24th to enter. You can enter on August 24th. I will see it and I will enter you in. And what you are entering this giveaway for is for a free plant that I will send to you as well as a free plant-related shirt. I have two shirts that I offer in my merch store. I don't have a ton. I have a I like plant shirt and then a plant school shirt, both of which I think are really cool. And you know what? I will let you choose which one you prefer and I'll send that one to you. So free plant free plant related shirt. All you have to do to enter is share this podcast with someone you know and then you simply email me, message me. My email is tennyplants, T-E-N-N-E-Y plants at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram at tennyplants. Either way, I'll see it. I'll respond to you, let you know that you've been entered. Thank you to all of you who have entered already and I'm really excited to announce who the winner will be next week. All right, so let's dive into this week's topic. It's all about crotons. And our first question that I always ask on these care guides is, what is a croton? I don't ask that on every episode. I ask, what is the plant that I'm talking about? We're not talking about crotons every episode. (laughs) Just in case that was confusing. I just have to mention also that crotons, that's how you pronounce it. I've been calling them crotons literally up to the day that I started to research this episode. Like me and my son were at Lowe's the other day to pick up some plants actually and they had a display full of crotons and I told my son, look at this, look at all these crotons that are out. A little embarrassed, but you know what? That's the way it's spelled. It looks like croton, but I'm really glad that its name is croton because croton sounds like crouton, and it's always bugged me that it sounds like a salad topping. So, glad it's croton. I'm sure you guys already knew that it was croton, but I sure didn't. So, its scientific name is Codeum variegatum, and its common names include croton, garden croton, or variegated laurel. I think a lot of people call them garden crotons because croton is actually a whole genus of plants and so it can be kind of confusing for people in the plant world if you simply refer to it as a croton. Garden croton is widely used to kind of get around that problem of confusion on if you're talking about the whole genus or if you're talking about this one house plant. So they are members of the Spurge family, which is the Euphorbiaceae family. 
Plants in the Euphorbiaceae family are known to have toxic white sap, and crotons are no different. Their sap can actually be pretty irritating, and the plant is considered poisonous. The bark, the roots, the sap, the leaves, everything is considered poisonous. So this is probably not a plant if you have a kid that likes to eat your houseplants. I don't know, if you have a kid that likes to get into things... Or if you have a pet that likes to get into your houseplants, this is one you might need to put up on a higher shelf away from them where they can get it. So the chemical that is in the sap that's causing all this toxicity, it's a chemical called 5-desoxyingenol. And it's just very irritating to our skin, to our bodies. Some people, if they have repeated exposure, can actually get eczema from the sap. So it's something in general that you want to stay away from. I took a field botany class in college and our professor, he was very allergic to the sap from the Euphorbiaceae family. And he only knew this because once during class, he picked one of the plants, sap got all over him and his hand immediately started to swell up and get all itchy. So some people are more prone to have a reaction than others. Sometimes it doesn't even cause a reaction in other people. But just to be safe, try not to get it on yourself or on your clothing because I have heard that it can stain clothing as well. So croatins come in combinations of green, yellow, white, orange, pink, red, crimson, and purple. So many colors. Their leaves are often lance-shaped, oval, or some are even lobed. And it just depends on the variety. There are so many different varieties of croatins and they are all so beautiful. They're a really popular fall plant actually because of the red and the orange and the crimson that can be brought out. So you will probably see them all over right now because stores are promoting fall decor. We're in August right now so fall is just around the corner. So I know when I went to my local hardware store with my son and called them crotons, you know. They had a huge display. They were in like little orange buckets and they were being promoted as fall porch plants. And they're really pretty, so I don't blame them as being used in this promotional way as being pushed as fall decor. They're also used widely in interior design since they provide such a pop of color and they are very hardy plants. A lot of designers will use them in mall spaces, hotels, just to kind of have something different within the foliage and the design that they're creating. All right, next question, where do crotons originate from? They are native to Malaysia, Indonesia, Australia, and the Pacific Ocean Islands, where they grow in open forests and a scrub. Crotons can grow to be tree-like in their natural environment, and some reach heights up to 20 feet tall or 6 meters tall, but the houseplant varieties that are found in our home and in stores, they are obviously much smaller. They are dwarf varieties. You won't be buying a tree variety when you're at the store. And one neat thing about them is that they do flower in the wild and produce fruit, but they will rarely flower indoors. And another question that I love to ask when I do these care guides is if the plant symbolizes anything. So croatins are often used to symbolize change because it does have color-changing foliage. So some people will gift them for graduation, when you're moving or have just moved in, or retirement because those are all times of change. 
And that was probably like the biggest symbol that I saw that was most widely agreed on. But there were some other meanings that I found. One was that this plant can symbolize becoming better by learning and training. And this comes from the mythical wrestler Milo of Croton, who effortlessly carried an ox up a mountain every day, starting when the ox was just a calf. And he was able to do this because he became stronger as the ox grew and he didn't notice the increasing load each day. So some people associate crotons with becoming better, like Milo of Croton. Did I say crotons? Oh no, I think I said crotons. Guys, this is going to be a struggle. Like I just said, I learned that they were crotons a few days ago. So if I do slip up and say croton, just know I'm not talking about croutons at least. Another thing that I came upon as I was researching what do they symbolize, a lot of people love crotons because they have great feng shui. Is that how you say it? Feng shui? I think it's feng shui. I'm not really sure because I'm not really in the feng shui scene. Oh, now I feel silly because I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. But apparently, they make wonderful positive additions to your space. And I found out that if you add something like a cactus or something that has spines or pokies, they will disrupt the positive energy and outputs negative flow. So you don't want that, or you can off-put it by getting a croton, apparently. But yeah, if you're into that sort of thing, you can get a croton knowing that it will have a positive effect on the flow of your home. All right, and moving into my most favorite question of how did a croton become a houseplant? So starting from the beginning, in their native lands, they were used for medicine, and they were used for so many different uses. I'm going to go through most all of them. So, starting off, they were used for topical treatments of wounds, infections, and skin conditions, which is really interesting because I mentioned how it can cause people to get eczema, but apparently if you use it right, it can actually help certain skin conditions. It was used to treat gonorrhea, syphilis, toothaches, and fevers. And all of these remedies were used by taking the plant sap from the leaves or from the bark of the plant. They've also been used for snake bites by giving the victim a drink of the leaf sap and rubbing it into the bite wound after cutting the wound open. A little cringy. I know. I don't like thinking about it. Another use was using it as an abortifacient or a contraceptive. An abortifacient, if you don't know what that means, simply means that it will help abort a child in the womb. And sometimes they would even mix croatins with volcanic sulfur so that it could be chewed and swallowed to create sterility in women so she can no longer have children. So if you are a woman and you want children, this is definitely a plant to be avoiding because it can really affect a woman's reproductive system. And what's interesting is that there have been a lot of studies done on the croton, and specifically the garden croton. We're not talking about a croton that lives natively on an island, looks like a tree. We never really see it unless you live there. I'm talking about the crotons that do grow as houseplants in our homes. But there was a 2011 study that looked into its wound healing properties, and they found that it could accelerate the healing process for cuts and burns. Imagine that. It was used traditionally in its country, and they found that that is true in a controlled scientific study. And there was also a 2014 study that showed that extracts from the garden croton were effective against the flu virus. 
And then there was a 2010 study that showed that aqueous and alcoholic extracts, so taking out pieces of the plant, either placing them in water or alcohol, they found that it possessed properties for anti-clotting, anti-coagulating, and antimicrobial properties. I'm thinking that's why it probably did really well for snake bites because it would act against the venom if it was something that coagulated your blood. The sap of the croton was anti-coagulating and would help your blood flow return back to normal. Just really interesting to see that these studies are verifying the uses that they have had in their native lands. But moving on from their traditional medicinal uses, they were first discovered and reported by G.E. Rumphius in 1653. Rumphius found them on the Molokan island of Albonia. And then later on in 1753, so nearly a hundred years later, they were described by Carl Linnaeus. And we all know that guy. That man described so many plants and named so many. He's, he's the main guy behind the scientific nomenclature of plants, like the two names that go with every plant. This is the guy that basically created that. So he described it in 1753, and then later on they were introduced to Europe. They came to England from Indonesia in 1804, and they kind of spread around from there. A majority of hybrids were developed in Belgium and France in the 1800s, and between 1863 and 1880, there were around 70 new varieties that were introduced to England, and they were being brought from India, the South Sea Islands, and New Guinea. And researchers think that all these varieties showed up on these different islands because early missionaries were trying to help beautify native villages and they were the ones spreading them around. The garden croton was brought to North America during the second half of the 19th century, quite a while after it had been introduced into Europe. And it came to America by Henry A. Dreer of Philadelphia, and it quickly spread to Florida. So in the 1920s and the 1930s, Florida, particularly around Miami, became an area where hybrids of crotons were being created, and it became the top leader of creating garden croton hybrids. They are known as Florida hybrids, and I'm pretty sure they are still the leader in creating these croton hybrids. In the 1950s through the 1970s, they were widely used throughout Florida as landscaping plants, and they became very popular in the 1970s as houseplants, and they were one of the most recognizable houseplants. They have since kind of come back in their popularity today. Like I mentioned, they're used widely as fall decor and are a beloved houseplant today, probably because their foliage is just so beautiful and colorful. And another thing I wanted to mention is that the Croton was part of the 1989 NASA Clean Air Study. I've talked about this study quite a bit. I even did a whole podcast about if plants actually clean the air and it largely revolved around this study because a lot of people have taken that study to mean that houseplants clean the air in our homes where really NASA was testing if these plants could clean the air in a sealed vacuum. And as we know, we do not live in sealed vacuums. Our doors open and close. We have windows. We have AC units and different things like that. And so the fact that the Croton was part of this study really means nothing for us if you were like wanting a houseplant that was cleaning the air in your home. 
And if you are interested, the episode where I go into if houseplants really clean the air, that's episode 47, and I really dive into that subject. So if you want to hear all the science behind it, you're welcome to listen to that episode as well. And with that, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to jump into how to care for your crow-in. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So jumping into how to care for your croton, how do you water them? They do prefer moist soil. And so you want to water them when you notice about the top one to two inches are dry which honestly is not very different from most other houseplants. But they are one of the plants that I suggested in the terrarium episode because they do do well with high humidity. So if you can, provide a humidifier or maybe a pebble tray to help your croton with humidity. Misting them is an effective way to increase humidity for a few seconds. So I don't really encourage misting, but a humidifier or a pebble tray will do the trick. So hot and dry conditions can cause croton's leaves to drop, and if you do notice droopy leaves or leaf drop, that can be a sign of overwatering. When it comes to lighting needs for your croton and where to be placing it in your home, the first thing to know is that when you do bring it home, they may drop some leaves because they often go into shock with the change in environment. So you want to avoid moving them around too much in your home to keep this from happening. It's very similar to how ficuses work. If you move a ficus around and it has a drastic change, they will often drop leaves due to the shock and crotons are no different. They do prefer bright and direct sunlight, but some direct sun is fine. There are some croton varieties that really love direct sun, others that don't mind a little bit of shade, but just know that when they do get enough sun, their colors are actually brighter and so When they don't get enough sun, they start to dull up, turn more green, more so than have those extra colors. They also will grow towards the sun, so be sure to turn them regularly. Wherever they may be sitting, just swivel that pot around to kind of keep it even and straight. Some people like to place them outdoors during the warmer months of the year, and if you're in a really warm environment where you live, you can actually grow them outside. They can be hedges. Some people like to keep them as potted patio plants all year round. As long as your temperature does not drop below 50 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 10 degrees Celsius, you should be good to go to have them outside all year round. 
And when it comes to repotting, these plants do well with just a general purpose potting mixture. They do enjoy good drainage, so you can use a succulent mix if you want to, but general purpose is totally fine to use. And you want to be repotting this plant when it outgrows a container and just simply move it to a pot that's one to two inches larger than the one that it's currently in. Don't go too big because that just leads to a lot of sitting wet soil and the roots can start to die by sitting in that wet soil that's not drying out because there's no roots in there. So just go to a pot that's one to two inches bigger. Now, how do you fertilize a croton? You want to be feeding it every other month when it's growing. This usually occurs during the spring and the summer, and you can be using a fertilizer that's an 8 to 12, or a 10 10 10 is just fine too. And those numbers refer to the NPK values inside of your fertilizer, the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium levels, which are the three main nutrients that your plant needs. They are known to be a little bit of heavier feeders, but you don't need to go ham on them. Every other month is plenty for these plants. One thing that is kind of fun with croatans is that they can be propagated, meaning you can make more of them all by yourself. So they can be propagated by stem cuttings. What you would do for this is you cut a stem below a leaf node about four inches long. It needs to have a set of leaves and you want to remove the leaves from the bottom half, keep the leaves on the top half, and then you can dip the cutting into rooting hormone powder, just the tip that you've cut to increase your chances of success of having those roots grow there. After you've done that, you can place it in water or you can go ahead and place it in a soil mix. A lot of people love to use a really well-draining mix like sand mixed with coconut core. And once it's developed roots in there, it takes about a month or two, and they are one to two inches long, you can transplant it into standard soil mix where they do best for long-term growth. Another way you can propagate it, and we don't get to see this one very much, is by air layering. So this is best done in spring just for the best results. And what you do is you cut a layer of its bark completely around. It's like a ring of bark. You cut that off. And then from there, you can place sphagnum moss around it. You can place soil around it. And the way that you keep the soil there or the moss there is by wrapping it in saran wrap. And then you can tie it on both ends to keep the soil hanging there on that open cut, that ring of bark that you've removed. You can keep it there by tying it with twine or some other medium that's going to keep it closed but not damage the plant. And then you water that ball of soil or that ball of moss every now and then to keep it moist and roots will start growing from there. Once you have roots, you cut below that whole ball of roots that you've created that's been saran wrapped and then you can undo it all of course and plant it into some normal potting soil. And the last way to propagate it is by seed, but just know that the seed will not produce offspring that resembles the parent plant. If you want to do that, you have to go through propagation via a stem cutting or air layering to get it to look exactly like its parent plant. All right, I have two questions left for the care guide of a croton. First one being, do they deal with any pests? And yes, they can. They are prone to spider mites, which are the worst. And this especially happens if they're in a hot, sunny window. To get rid of spider mites, it's best to use a variety of methods because spider mites are known to building up immunity 
to a method if it's used over and over again and they reproduce very, very fast. So if you use neem oil or alcohol or some other insecticide, switch out using which ones you use so that you can get rid of all of them before they have a chance to build up immunity to one of them. Crones are also prone to scale, which are little bugs. They don't move much, if at all. They look like little bumps on your plant. Those can be removed with a cotton swab with alcohol on them, and they should come right off with a simple wipe of your cotton swab. They can get mealybug, and mealybug can be treated, again, with alcohol swabs, with neem oil, by spraying them down with a shower. And then lastly, they can also get fungal infections, which is not as common. If you do notice a fungal infection, it's usually seen in spots on the plants, spots of tissue that are dead that usually have a yellow ring of dying tissue around them. If you notice that, remove the leaves that are affected and then you can apply a fungicide of some sort onto your plant to get rid of the infection. And then last question is just extra care tips. So number one, they can be pruned pretty hard in early spring before new growth starts. This will stimulate branching and new growth and it's really helpful if your croton has gotten leggy. My last extra tip is that crotons do need to be dusted every now and then. Just simply with a dry microfiber cloth is totally fine because they do gather dust. They got big leaves. And if you don't dust them, that can start to interfere with photosynthesis and this plant doing its best. So dusting them every now and then, incorporating that into your routine of care for your croton is really beneficial for this plant. And that is all that I have for you for crotons today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed learning more about them. If you have one, I hope this helps you care for it. And if you don't have one, Maybe you want to get one. Like I said, they're all over the place with fall decor and they're really beautiful. I actually picked one up when I was at my local hardware store. Just a little guy. I'm going to try putting him into a terrarium that I'm building and hopefully he does well in there. But they're great plants and I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did learning all about them. Have a great week and I hope to have you here next week as well. Thank you for being here and listening today, and I hope you'll join me next week. If you'd like to support this podcast and keep it going, you can find the support link below in the description and donate. Or, I have some awesome Plant School merch, including stickers, shirts, and mugs, and the link to my shop is in the description as well. And if you don't want to spend any money but still support the podcast, share this podcast with a friend, either verbally or electronically. This will even qualify you for my giveaway. Just message me on Instagram at tinnyplant that you shared the podcast with a friend, and you be entered in for a chance to win some goodies. Winners will be announced on the podcast. Again, thank you for listening and I hope you have a great week.